two minutes. Well, we're live. We're live right now on Facebook. Oh, hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, we're live. Good thing I didn't say. We don't stop the Facebook live. We just go straight on through. Oh, oh, we just, okay. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Okay, great. <laughs> so oh. welcome, Deborah. I'm so glad you can join us today. I, as, as Judy said, you're such a good speaker, and I love love hearing everything you say. So uh, today, Deborah's going to talk about the ABCs of writing and publishing a book. Dreaming big and affirmations are a critical part. Uh, Deborah is a local realtor, an author, and a storyteller. And as Judy mentioned, she did a story storytelling on Tuesday when we were still able to meet in person <laughs> a few months back, and it was awesome. I think that was already last summer, honestly, Shauna. Yeah, it's like a year's gone by, and we've we uh, it's already the end of March, and nobody really we we're still last summer. What happened? <laughs> did we have Christmas yet? <laughs> yeah, it's all a jumble, isn't it? I know, I know. But I like I like the nicer weather coming, even though it's a little overcast. It feels very springy, and we have had a little bit of sun here and there in the last few days. So yeah, I uh, yes, we have. So it's uh, the moment it comes out, you can stand and just soak up that the beauty on your face. All right, yeah. the natural vitamin D is the best. But I will I will step back and let you take over and uh, run the show. All right, well, I have something somewhat prepared. So I am just going to start. Hi, everybody. My name is Deborah Kelly. I am a local realtor, a local Peachlander, a longtime Mexico expat, a published author, and a mom of grown up kids and a grandmother with two little ones in Edmonton. First, I want to thank Shauna for creating this amazing space and opportunity for well-being, whatever that might mean for you. I have three things I want to cover today. One is the power of journaling. Two, affirmations and dreams, kind of mix them up together a bit. And three, writing a book. I'm sure many of you have already thought, gosh, I bet I have a book in me. Maybe I should get that written. So I'll cover a little bit about writing a book, which I'm going to start with that. Number three, the book, my book is called Wait a Year. It's a memoir. I'm often asked, how did you write the book and how did you publish it? I've journaled since January of 1994, describing the Mexico adventures that the kids and I endured when we arrived to a very small fishing village called Cabo San Lucas. When talking about those days over and over with friends and in different circles, I was often asked and, and people would say, hey, you should write a book. What, you moved to Mexico with your kids by yourself? I'd say, yeah, I know, a little bit loco. And I have two important questions for you. First, I'll ask, have you ever been sitting on a beach gazing at the ocean with warm sunshine on your face, your toes in the sand, thinking out loud, I don't want to go home. I want to live here. Second question, what lifelong dream of yours is still at the top of your dream list? My lifelong dream to live at the ocean on a beach and to experience paradise 
literally saved my life. So I'll share a little bit about myself. I mentioned I'm from Peachland and Cabo San Lucas and a couple of in-between places, Edmonton and Rutland. I grew up partly in Rutland. I kind of proud of saying, yeah, proudly Rutland, just like out of Rutland, out of Compton. I'm a mother of three grown-ups, a local realtor, as Shauna mentioned, a published author, book called Wait a Year. And it really is a funny story with a dark side, dash to crazy, heartache, hurricanes, expat life, and certainly all spells disaster. After 13 years of marriage, we were pretty young when we started, he left me in 1992. I really wanted to end my life. I started planning the details of my suicide without telling anyone. I really felt there was no way out of the pain and I was an expert at pretending everything is fine. Some of you can probably relate to pretending. I was living a normal life in Edmonton an older house, white picket fence, kids in hockey and dance. We even had a dog, the perfect family. Before killing myself, I thought, why not wait a year? So I packed up my three kids. They were four, nine and 11. And I followed my dream to live at the ocean. We moved 3000 miles away, due south. And from all that was familiar to us. I mean, what the heck could go wrong? It was not an easy time arriving to a small fishing village, Cabo San Lucas, in the summer of 1993. It was unbearably hot and humid, burning temperatures, no telephone, no TV, and not knowing a word of Spanish. Every day was worse than the day before. Being ripped off, fighting cockroaches, scorpions, school dungeons, hurricanes, a burning car, and worse of all, the single sex scene. Hmm, broken, suicidal. I realized quickly you take yourself with you, even to paradise. I met a cracker, a cracker jack box full of expats and like me, all running from something. They qualified for the wanted or the unwanted. After a few months of daily disasters, one being my four-year-old almost drowned in a pool and was also stung by jellyfish, that was day one of the adventure. Another, a really old car that I could barely afford to buy, certainly overpaid, without air conditioning or a speedometer, started on fire in the middle of the desert, stranding us four along a highway. And luckily a big rainstorm came along which put the fire out. Another, a devastating tropical storm, 24 inches of pounding rain in 24 hours destroyed the little town and we were almost electrocuted. I started losing my hair from the stress of it all. One night I was sitting alone in a small restaurant, sobbing out of control at the end of my rope. An angel named Annie saw me and she sat down and grabbed my hand. And in the sweetest voice, she said, what's wrong, honey? The whole messy story came tumbling out and she listened to every word between the tears and said kindly, it will be okay, it will be okay, over and over. And I believed her. I soon discovered I was much tougher than I thought, finding an inner strength. True grit shows up when you're at your lowest. I had a case of the fuckets, 
also known as surrendering. And then I started working on myself. The 12 steps of codependent recovery, journaling, learning to forgive, setting boundaries, finding my voice, and my life started to shift for the better. My dream of living at the ocean literally saved my life. I was inspired to write the book, Wait a Year, to share that no matter how low you go, there's always a way up. I'm now dedicated to bringing people together with a shared vision for how to live big and be free of all that stops you. I wanna pay it forward. I've journaled for over 27 years, detailing my darkest days and my biggest joys. I've always known my inner voices of shame and helplessness are the same as many other women and men, but we can't talk about it as it's too vulnerable and too difficult. It's not coffee talk. I wanted to share about suicide, how I turned the corner to want to live and then how to live. I really earned my black belt in codependent recovery, forgiveness, of course, setting boundaries, owning all that happens to me are critical and to the growth of my happiness. So the book, Go Wait a Year, it's actually an easy, quick read. It's funny, it's unique, and it's inspiring. inspiring. My favorite part, of course, is all the crazy bad stuff that happens and when my angel comes along and how she literally helped save my life. Codependent recovery, learning a foreign language, not just Spanish, but the foreign language of affirmations, forgiveness, boundaries, letting go, expectations, and much more. People are always asking, well, how did the kids make out? Well, my kids lived it with me, but they didn't know the whole story until February of last year. So before I could actually publish Wait a Year with all the nitty gritty guts and, and truth about suicide in there, I had to share it with my kids, the full story, including the dark truth. I'd never told them about my feelings of suicide or, or the real history of their dad and I and what really happened. So we had a family ski weekend at Big White. They're all in their 30s. And I shared exactly what happened in 1992 when their dad left for another woman. That part they kind of knew. I reminded them that we were both, their dad and I, were both so young. We married at 19 and completely without communication skills. Then I shared how overwhelmed with life I was, alone with raising the three kids and how I planned to kill myself. The details were all set, drive the van into the garage, close the door, open all the windows, leave the van running and breathe in the poison until the pain stopped. There's more to that part of the story. It would be a spoiler alert. So if you want more information on that little ditty, buy the book. We did a lot of crying and reminiscing about that first year in Cabo San Lucas. And although they were shocked at some of what I shared, thankfully, they were very understanding. Then I could go ahead and publish the book, which was April of last year. And during that process, I created a tool belt for living life, a peace-filled big life 
especially for when life throws you curveballs. So here's a little bit about the tool belt for living free and how to live a big life. We already have a tool belt. You have one, I have one. Like, what do you do now when some kind of life throws you into a spin? You might choose downward destructive behaviors like over drinking, bad food habits, binge TV watching, self-destructive thinking. Like really this past year, basic COVID pandemic 101, going nowhere fast leads to depression. So your tool belt for lifting you up and forward really is about journaling affirmations besides some standard rest, sleep, talk to a friend, get away, meditating, exercise, a hot bath, read a joy book, turn the news off. That's what I have to do, turn the news off. Create a dream board, start yoga, something new. So I'm asking you, what happened to that list of dreams? So you might want to write a book and learning about affirmations, journaling, and inserting those dreams in there. Some of you have probably put your dreams on hold or maybe even stopped dreaming completely. Do you have a list, like a bucket list? Bringing those back to life, there really is an easy two-step processing. Realizing all your dreams, even the biggest dream that you've got hidden inside of you and are afraid to say out loud. So write in a journal every single day, all your complaints, your hurts, and your joys, especially starting or ending each page with reasons to being grateful. The first page of the journal is where you'll create the list of dreams. Don't hold back. Write every single one of them down. When you write the word I in front of your dream, it now becomes an affirmation. It's kind of clever. So, hey, I want to live at the ocean. So if the dream was live at the ocean, the minute you put the word I in front, it's now I live at the ocean. You can get real clear later, but you'd want to know which ocean, pick one, how long, what, all year long with who? Do you want to work there too? Now that we're allowed to work on um, uh, from home, lots of people can actually live anywhere in the world now today and live at the ocean with a margarita and uh, typing away. Travel first class all over the world. Put the word I in front of that. You've got I travel first class all over the world. Well, where, what countries, what languages are you gonna learn? Are you gonna to go to cooking classes in Italy, hiking? meditating, go to India, learn how to be a, sit with a tree uh, for days without speaking. I've always wanted to be an actor and a movie star. Well, put the word, I am an actor and movie star. That's your dream affirmation, action or comedy, drama or musical, uh, do voiceovers, do an audiobook. That's the next dream I have right now is getting an audiobook started for weightier. Oh man, I've always wanted to drive a race car. I drive a race car. That's an affirmation with my dream. Living on a sailboat and cruising for a year. Well, put the word I. I live on a sailboat and cruise for a year. Don't put the I will live. One day I might. Take away all of those if come maybe words and be affirming as if it's happening right now.
Don't ever worry about how your dreams will actualize. The how is the reason that we're stuck now with excuses of why dreams are unattainable. Excuses like, oh, I don't have enough money. I've got young kids. I can't quit my job. I don't even own a home yet. I hate working out. I'm way too busy and I don't have the time. Your journal is a place for you to write out all your complaints. So other daily affirmations would be, and I'll say this, that they are critical for setting up a roadmap for your dreams and also inviting change into your life. So there's the two simple, simple steps, journaling, putting your dreams and your affirmations in one. A couple other beginner affirmations from way back when I first started was, I deserve greatness. So what was I really feeling? I'm broken and I'm lonely, but I deserve greatness. So that's an affirmation. I believe in me and all possibilities. What was I really feeling? I will never have what those people have. But an affirmation is I believe in me and all possibilities. I am enough. I earn exceptional income that easily supports my family. So maybe you're in debt, too much credit card debt. I earn exceptional income that easily supports my family. That's a good affirmation. My health is a priority. In truth, maybe I eat too much crap. I don't exercise. And I want to shift that. I want to get out of that. My health is a priority. I confidently talk about my dreams and know they are all possible. Maybe you've got some negative Nellies in your life, some naysayers that say dreaming doesn't work. That's for, you know, other people. Your affirmation is I confidently talk about my dreams and know they are all possible. Just a handful of others. I write every day. I'm creative and inspirational. I'm a successful published author. My words and stories inspire others. All right, so that's affirmations, dreams, journaling. Writing a book, I will say Cabo was easy to write about in a world of sunshine and falling stars, whales, the sounds of waves crashing along the shore. I'm in love with the magnificence of a full moon rising out of the Sea of Cortez, pink and orange, it's magical. So, writing and publishing, and I should just take this moment to ask Shauna about if there's any questions. Anybody think that they might want to ask something? I have been. No, no, no questions yet, but I'll keep my eyes on the Facebook. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll keep going because I have a couple more minutes because writing and publishing a book, I'll tell you my... Yeah, uh, you, you, got, you, got till, you got till 2.40. 2.40. Oh, i got a long time, I think. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So writing a book. It's, I think every single person I know has an amazing story. When you write an autobiography, that's your whole life. That's a big chunk. That's like too much. But a memoir is about a small section of life. And that's why it was 
easier for me to compartmentalize wait a year because literally this is a one year story, um, uh, pivotal moment in my life. And um, I had written most of the story um, and it sat under a bed collecting dust for 10 years. So it sat for a long time. And I was inspired a couple of years ago to just smarten up and get it finished and write it because it's been on my to-do list for a long time. Could even be, I don't know, at least, well, I'll say for sure 10 years. So, okay, now I'm writing furiously. I've got a good focus. I've picked a really good title. I know who a target market is going to be. And then how do you get it published? Well, okay, Google, Amazon publishing. Well, there's about a hundred steps to self-publishing, but you can do it all on your own. Get your own artwork and your own cover and your own, uh, you can't just take a Word document. You've got to have a certain way to um, make sure every page is set up properly. And um, so there's a different software for that, but they provide that. And boom, you can be published in Amazon, which is kind of nice. There's two other ways. There's one, if you're somewhat famous and you're well-known, you can just get a publisher, send your manuscript to a bunch of publishers and hope somebody grabs onto it. That's rare and difficult, uh, but possible. It's very possible. Um, the other way is to pay for what's called a hybrid publisher. Somebody who will do all of the self-publishing Amazon, help you design and get your book cover, and your editor and all of the proper pages, fonts and you know software, and then push it out there for you. That's costly, but doable. Now, during uh, the pandemic, and we're still in it, um, the one issue, sadly for me, and all people who were publishing last year is, how can you go and talk about your book? How can you go and set up locally at, at um, our local chapters. And I just wanted so badly to go. There was a New York book event in a Guadalajara, biggest book event in the world in London, England. And I would have traveled all over and stood up and spoke about this book. Um, and that didn't happen because of course the pandemic. So the marketing is really the toughest. And I uh, can say that, you, you know, you, no matter, well, self-publishing is you need to have a website and then you need to have a way that someone would know where to get it. Well, that's self, you can do Facebook, Instagram. Um, but if you're like me and there's too much Facebook, Instagram coming at you all the time, you're not always paying attention to the same people. So I felt a little intrusive when I was like, oh my God, get my book, you know. Um, I will say, um, I want to write a second book. People are asking me who've read the books, what, you ended it right like there? What happened, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, yes, I want to write another book. Um, and there is a part of it that's already written. So I just need to get my joy spark and get back in there. Um, and uh, what did I want to just say? Oh, I want to talk about how amazing 
how filled up I am when somebody's read my book and then they call me and tell me what it meant to them. I've been a hand, in a handful of book clubs, which I love talking about the book and the experiences of the women who have read the book. I've had men read my book. I had my my guy, my money guy is, it's midnight, I'm getting a, an email in the morning. I read it, it says, oh my God, Deborah, it's midnight. I can't put the book down. I had no idea. It was so fun. I had to finish. Um, so there's been some men who've read the book um, and they have some very different perspectives on the storyline, which is fascinating to me. And um, yeah, I welcome anyone wanting to talk more about this, writing a book, even the affirmations journaling. Um, I love talking about it. So if anyone wants a book uh, locally in the Okanagan, I can hand deliver. Um, I could even hand deliver, I think in Edmonton, my kids are up there, you know, I handed them a handful of books. Um, and I think I'm done. Uh, I'm right at 23 minutes. I don't know how to talk for 40, I guess. I want to thank you, Shauna, again, for creating this amazing space. And I think that's it. Okay. Well, we got to wait a little bit longer before uh, Crystal joins us. So let's change gears a little bit. Maybe you could talk about the real estate business, because that's a part of financial well-being. Having a okay. home is usually your most expensive asset. Well, I'll say this. The local real estate market here uh, in the Oakland Okanagan is the same as almost everywhere in all of Canada, which is shocking in itself that we would be similar. Um, if you're in a single family home, you've got something that people want. Single family homes are being snapped up on the day they go live. Uh, multiple offers. It's very difficult to be a buyer right now. Um, so let's say your budget was 750, just putting that out there. The average home now, I think, in the Okanagan is about 800,000, which is even in itself is quite shocking. Um, if that's the top end of your budget, you need to start looking at homes that are at 700. Why? Because you go in at a house that's listed at eight, you're not going to get it for eight. And that that's a tough realization. Um, Condos right now uh, have a little more shelf life. You know, they can be online for 30 to 60 days. Um, everything's gone up in price. Even a single family home has gone up 24% from this time last year. I mean, 24%. It's crazy. Shauna, that's got to rock your crazy. world. Like, I know, like, it's like great if it's in your portfolio and you're not making any life changes. But I've got just I have some new clients that are saying, Deborah, oh my God, we could make really good money and equity in our house. We can sell it in a day. And then I said, okay, great. Where are you going to move to? I know that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> like, where are you going? Well, we can afford it. a few hundred thousand more. That'd be great. And I said, okay, well, let's look in that price range. And we did. And they're like, oh, yeah. I, well, I, well, I think we're, oh, yeah, we're going to stay. You know, uh, I've seen some people sell and get and just like being blown away with how much they get and, and didn't think about buying afterwards, right? And then you don't want to step out of the housing market as it keeps increasing. Right? Yeah. It's, it's a challenge. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm going to sneeze. Oh, pardon me. 
Live on Facebook sneezing. It's allowed. Nobody's around. Today. Yeah. Oh, swear to God, nobody's around. Um, but people are better off to find the house they want, make an offer, and then sell their house, right? Generally. Guess what? Nobody who's selling a house will accept your offer if it's subject to the sale of your home. But if you're pretty confident you can sell your house because the market's so hot. If you are. Okay. If you're in that position, yes, that's the way to do it. <laughs> Find it. And that, yes, that would be the smart thing. If but, you don't, if you don't have a plan B of where you're going in, in the interim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you, how do you even find a house that you want? I know we kind of kicked it around a little bit. Maybe we should it would be a good time to sell and stuff, but finding it like, just like that couple you talked about finding a place that we want to move to is like, mm, maybe not. I know. And they were so excited at the idea of really doing well. They bought maybe four years ago and they can make a really substantial, you know, amount of equity. And, and how did they know that? Well, four houses in there, literally their direct neighbors had all sold quickly over price. And we're like, okay, well, that's a given. Um, then they're, they, they didn't really have a plan B. I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I don't know. I know. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't. Do you remember a time when it, well, I've never seen a time where all of Canada is crazy yeah. state right no. now? Ever. Have you? No. I know there's Even, some pockets of front, Vancouver or Toronto. Well, uh, just to give you an example of some differences of price points. So my kids are in uh, Edmonton, Alberta. They're in a town home, two little ones, five and three-year-olds. So they've, ex- you know, they've just, they're overflowing. They've got to get into a house. Good news is Edmonton, you can get a house with a big yard that's older, uh, might need a new roof, four fifty. Wow. Nice, good, four fifty. Wow. If they wanted to live here in BC, which I would love for them to live here, they, where are you going to move for four fifty? It's not happening. It doesn't exist. So four fifty. Now that market is moving. But it's not so much their price point has gone up. It's just that finally things are selling. Mm -hmm. Calgary as well. They're not in the multiple offer. I have a cousin who owns in Saskatoon, just thought, oh, I'll just see what happens. Multiple offer, Saskatoon. I said, are you (laughs) sure? It's like impossible to believe who's moving there. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, that's crazy. No, that's good because Alberta was really stuck for a long time. You know, I dealt with lots of people there that were, our house has been on the market, we're underwater because it's worth less than what our mortgage is. And yeah, stressful, yeah. stressful times in Alberta for sure. So it's nice to see some movement. And actually, if you're a realtor uh, going to uh, a listing appointment, that's one of your first questions. How's your mortgage on this house? Mm-hmm. Let's say you're. Let's say you are upside down. How are you going to handle it um, at closing? Because yeah. you've got to come up with the excess money. That can't be a big surprise um, at the end. Yeah. But, but some people are in denial and don't want to think about that. I think. Well, yeah. Well, you don't want to be sued. <laughs> yeah, because if your mortgage didn't pay off the title and you're not selling your new buyer this clear clean title which is what they expect in the contract um yeah it's not gonna look good anywhere (laughs) so i've heard that why the houses prices have gone up across the country is because of covid and people want to get out of their little places into something that's more roomy um 
because they've been locked inside for so long and stuff? Do you think that is part of the increase or what have you heard is why the market? Yeah, well, it's the hot topic for every real estate. You know, it doesn't matter who I'm talking to, my associates, we're all saying the same thing. What's going on? Yes, it's COVID. I think a huge psychological shift. So the Vancouver people are like, they're snapping up everything in the wilderness. They're buying, they want to get out of town and they want to work from home. That's what they want to do. Um, there's right sizing, downsizing, you know, there's parallel moves from, they wanted to move out of Vancouver, they're now buying in Peachland. Um, or even downtown Kelowna is a different lifestyle for us inner city than a Vancouver inner city. Mm -hmm. You just sold in Vancouver for 2 million and for under a million, you can buy something in Kelowna, you're ahead of the game. I bought something and I got a million bucks in the bank. Um, but yeah, I think psychologically people have had, all right, that's it. We're moving. I'm done. We're not sitting here anymore. And then it, everybody's got a different idea of what they want to do. So um, yeah, very, very interesting. The shifts that are happening out there. I was listening to a podcast that was saying that uh, they've seen people coming into New York to rent apartments which are usually impossible to get, but because everybody's sold off and buying homes, moving out, that people can actually achieve their dreams now of being able to rent in New York because before it was so crazy high. Yeah, um, and now I worry that our Canadian government wants to try and you know do something about this. And that always worries me. <laughs> you know, like the spec tax. Any, it worries me that they're, you know, anytime they kind of get involved, it's a nightmare and I, I think it's the wrong idea. Yeah, I totally agree with that too. Just leave it alone, leave it alone. I think the market just takes care of itself eventually and stuff, so. Well, I've lived long enough that I can say I've lost money and I've made money, but I've made more money. So, you know, I've gone like this and then and done well. Um, you know, uh, you live through um, the 08 madness. Yep. Um, that was tough. Um, anyone who bought in a way a month before the crash, that was me, you know, proudly on that one. I had to sit on those two things, sit on those two apartments for eight years until they bounced back, rent them all, but you know, I had rental on them. So that was lucky, but yeah, the days of um, even like guessing, everyone wants to say, well, Deborah, what do you think is going to happen? I'm like, I don't know. I just don't know. Nobody knows. If someone pretends to tell you they know, you're talking to the wrong person. I know. I, I find that with all financial stuff, it's like speculation. But you don't know. Because they, yeah. let me tell you what's going to happen. There's so many times they're wrong. or there's, <laughs> Nobody knows. Nobody yeah. knows. You, you kind of know what's happening now. And that's yeah. all you can kind of think about. And it'll be interesting to see how the housing market uh, continues to unfold in the future. See if it sounds crazy. Yeah, I, you know, I guess if, well, a best guess, things have to somehow calm down. Mm -hmm. It'll come, like I'm looking every day on what's newly listed and what's newly sold. Well, a month ago, there was more solds than there were new listings. Well, all of a sudden the last few days I'm seeing listings and only half of the number of sales. So. Things might, you know, we want balance. That's really what we want. We want a balanced market. Yeah. You know, we yes. want people to buy a house and get an inspector. 
so you know what's going on with that house. Can you imagine having to buy a house with no subjects? Oh yeah, no finance subject, <laughs> no uh, inspector. No, uh, that's hard on me. Oh my God, that's like, that's awful. But people are doing it. Yeah, they are, every day. I wonder what's gonna happen to all those commercial buildings because not everybody's working at home now or more people are working at home, so. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. I'm thinking, um, some brilliant repurposing is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what though, but what kind of repurposing would there be? I don't know. Maybe they'll do something to help with the homeless situation. And yeah, that would be awesome. There, right? so. Yeah. You know, maybe some way to do like education and uh, more affordable dorms or something. Like, I don't know. Students, yeah, for sure. I don't know. But yeah, there is lots of in innovation out there too. So it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. So so Crystal has entered the waiting room. Should we let her in? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There she is. Hey, Crystal. I wonder if she knows that she's on my mic. Hey. Hello, hello. Oh, hello. Hi. Do you know do you know Deborah Crystal? No, how are you? Good, how are you? Not well, thank you. <laughs> That's great. We're just finishing up, we're just finishing up Deb's talk, and then we talked a little real estate too, because she's got uh, two two careers, storytelling and uh, writing books and selling real estate. <laughs> and local it. realtor, yeah, which is really fun these days. Yeah. <laughs> It's a hot market out there. My partner is a property manager, so oh. we understand the demand. <laughs> it, it's it's a crazy it's a crazy time right now, and um, yeah, I I'm not complaining. I love my life, and I've worked 